Just give me one second. Thank sure. you. Sorry. Uh-huh. Hey. Hi. Two minutes. Thank you. Hi, good afternoon. Sorry about hey, that. Hey, Hi, nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Have you ever done one of these interviews over the camera before? No. Well, let me tell you a little bit about the job to get started with. It's not just um, a job. It's sort of probably the most important job. Uh, the title that we have going right now is Director of Operations, but it's really kind of so much more than that. Responsibilities and requirements are, are really quite extensive. Uh, first category for the requirements would be mobility. This job requires that you must be able to work standing up most or really all of the time, uh, constantly on your feet, constantly bending over, constantly exerting yourself, a high level of stamina. Uh, uh, okay. That's a lot. For how many, like, for how many hours? Uh, 135 hours to unlimited hours a week. It's basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I'm sure you'll have a chance from time to time to maybe just sit down here and there, yeah? Uh, you mean like a break? Yeah. Uh, no, there are no breaks available. Is, th is that even legal? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. so like no lunch? You can or... have lunch, but only when the associate is done eating their lunch. Uh... I think that's a little intense. No, no not possible. That's crazy. Now this position requires excellent negotiation and interpersonal skill. We're really looking for someone that might have a degree in uh, medicine, in finance, and the culinary arts. You must be able to wear several hats. Associate needs constant attention. Sometimes they have to stay up with an associate throughout the night. Being able to work in a chaotic environment, if you, if you had a life, we'd ask you to sort of give that life up. No vacations. In fact, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, and holidays, the workload is gonna go up, and we demand that. With, with a happy disposition. Uh, that's almost cruel. <laughs> that's almost a, a very, very sick, twisted joke. But when there's time to sleep, or? Oh, no time to sleep. Yeah, all-encompassing, all almost. That's exactly right. 365 days a year? Yes. No, that's, that's inhumane. That's, that's very insane. The meaningful connections that you make and the, the feeling that you get from really helping your associate are immeasurable. Also, let's cover the salary. The position is gonna pay absolutely nothing. Excuse me? No. Nobody's doing that for free. Yeah, pro bono. Completely for free. <laughs> no! What if I told you there's someone that actually currently uh, holds this position right now? Billions of people, actually. Who? Moms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moms. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh! <laughs> And they meet every requirement, oh, don't wow. they? Oh my god. Moms are the best! Yeah, there's no pay. They're 24 hours. They're always there. Now I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah, and what are you thinking about her? I'm thinking about all those nights and everything. Thank you so much for everything you do. I know it doesn't seem like I appreciate all of it, but I definitely do. So, Mom, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I love you very much. You've been there through thick and thin. My mom is just awesome. She's awesome.
Right, good morning. Oh, I am on. I'm really on. Good morning. Um, I don't know if any of you have seen that uh, video going around YouTube and Facebook, but oh my goodness, it's so funny. Um, so I figured I'd start off today um, just with a little focus on Mother's Day, but really that's kind of where my Mother's Day uh, part of the message ends. Um, I'm actually going to instead focus on the job part of that video and um, talk about how we all kind of have things that we have to do every day. We all have jobs, right? Um, I, everybody here works. You don't necessarily all get paid, but we all work. We all have things that we have to do every day, whether that's a being a student or uh, being a caregiver of some time or going to an office job. Um, you know, even kids have things that they have to do every day, their tasks. And, um, you know, there's really a job for just about everything. I was looking up kind of odd jobs on the internet, and there's jobs for a uh, shark tank cleaner. I think that'd be kind of fun, a little dangerous, you know. Um, there's jobs for a uh, roadkill cleaner. That's your job, just going out and scooping them up off the road. Um, maybe a water, water slide test would be fun, yeah? Except for it might be a little hazardous, I don't know. Um, you could be a professional uh, odor uh, detector, you know, like test out the deodorants, you know, see if it's good enough or something. Someone has to do all these things, right? So, I mean, there are jobs for everything. Can you imagine just saying, yeah, um, so I'm a professional cow hoof trimmer. I go trim cow's hooves. That's what I do. I mean, <laughs> but somebody has to do these jobs. Um, some of these jobs are pretty rewarding and fun, and other jobs are just not so fun. Um, they're actually not fun, uh, they're not rewarding. Sometimes you don't even get appreciated for what you do. Imagine being a telemarketer. You think people are gonna you know, go, oh, you're a telemarketer, that's so exciting for you, you know? You get yelled at all day long, hung up on. Um, but we've all had jobs where we're kind of on the bottom rung of the ladder. You've gotta start somewhere. Even people that are in rewarding jobs have had to start in a place where maybe they weren't appreciated and kind of work your way up. Well, um, my husband, when he was in high school, worked for McDonald's. <laughs> There's my handsome husband. Um, he was the McDonald's fry boy. He, he preferred to be called fry technician. Um, and all he did was dip, you know, those ice-cold french fries in the hot grease, and, and that's what he did. And, you know, this was before the days where I think they supersized your meal, too. So, um, But when we were first married, I had a job working for a real estate marketing company. And I would just put labels on these flyers. You know those flyers you get in the mail and you look at them for two seconds and you toss them in the recycling bin? That's all I spent my time doing was putting the labels on these things, taking them to the mail, uh, the post office and bundling them and getting them off. So what I would do is I would sit there with a stack of, of, of cards and I would just label and I got paid a penny a label, okay? So I got to where I could crank off about six or seven hundred labels in an hour. So that's about six or seven bucks an hour, right? Well, I've been working for this job for about six months, and I thought, you know, I've been a pretty good employee. I think it's time for me to go in and ask for a raise. So I went into my boss, and, you know, I was really nervous. Um, and I said, you know, I just feel like I'm doing a good job. I, you know, is there any possible way I could get a raise? And she said, well, you know, 
let's see, you're making a penny a label. Let's, let's say, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a quarter of a penny a label raise. And I'm like, oh, that is awesome. That's a 25% raise, right? So I was so excited. So I go home, I've got all my, you know, my mailers and I'm, I'm doing them and, and then John comes home and I said, guess what, I got a raise today. And he's like, you did, that's awesome. And I said, yeah, a quarter of a penny. Uh, a label, and he's like, a quarter of a penny, and you're happy about that? You know, so immediately I started crying. <laughs> I'm a crier, but um, I get my feelings hurt. And um, he's like, well, you're happy about that? Seriously, is that a legitimate raise? And I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, a couple bucks more an hour. Well, whoop de doo you know, we're in the money. No. And I'm like, fry guy, you know, back off a little, okay? <laughs> But, um, you know, I, this was just a job to get me through school, a little something to make extra money, um, maybe support our income a little bit. But, um, you know, and my boss wasn't the greatest person to work for, but I found a lot of satisfaction in it because I felt like I did my job well. And nobody was going to appreciate what I did, but, um, you know, as long as I focused on, you know, enjoying just the whole process, it is what it is, and, and making, you know, the money and doing the best that I could with a great attitude, then I was pretty happy in my job. Um, well, so the, I guess the thing that I want to key in on today is that when we serve others as though we were serving God himself, our work actually takes on eternal significance. Now, you think about that. I mean, you know, being, being a delivery girl and a label girl or something, um, you know, doesn't seem to really matter in the great scheme of things. But I want to argue today that it really does. Whatever we find to do, it is important. And it's really the important thing is who we're doing it for. When we serve God, we are doing eternal work. Yes, I was working for my boss, but ultimately I was serving God by trying to do the best in my job and having a good attitude, no matter how insignificant of a job that was. In Ephesians, Paul reminds us to work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And then he echoes this in Colossians. He says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Remember that the master you are serving is Christ. It's funny, I was kind of talking to Dan Sarian last week, and he's like, what are you talking on? I'm like, well, I'm talking about jobs. He goes, well, kind of like, who's your daddy? And I'm like, well, it's Mother's Day. I could say, who's your mommy? And anyway, it just got off track. But, um, you know, who, who are you working for? Who's, who's the big guy? Who are you serving? We all have someone to serve. Um, so sometimes, though, it, this is easier said than done. You know, we, we say we serve God, but, man, when you're a stay-at-home mom or you've got little kids or you've got, you know, associates that you just can't stand to be around, it's tough. Uh, I remember a time when I was, um, I had really little kids. I may not have even had all four. There's my kids right there. Um, and, you know, I had my hands full, and I felt like I wasn't bringing in a paycheck, and, you know, all I did was just sit around in my pajamas all day long and clean up messes and, you know, do the piles of laundry and cook, and then you clean up the mess, and then you have to feed them again a couple hours later because they keep eating, you know, and they just, the job is never done. And I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, going postal, but it's like, you know, the mail keeps coming and coming. I'm like, the dishes keep coming, and they keep coming, and these kids keep eating and then they eat again, and then I gotta make them some food, and then they eat it again, and then I gotta clean up after them, and then they're hungry again, and then I gotta make some, I just like, 
it just, oh my gosh, I, I started like losing my mind and I felt like just grabbing the keys to the car, just taking off and like never coming back, right? Um, there's been many times where I've, I've wanted to <laughs> just get out of the house and go, I've, I can't handle it anymore. But I remember one night in particular where I just had a meltdown. Unfortunately, this is kind of a frequent thing for me. But um, I came into the kitchen and I just saw piles of dishes everywhere. And unfortunately, in order to clean the dishes, I had to clean the countertops off to move the dishes out of the sink to make room to put the dishes back in the sink. And it was just like, I was looking at this and I didn't even know where to start. And I started crying. And then I started throwing a temper tantrums because I guess when you work, you know, around your associates, they rub off on you. So I'm like, you <laughs> can't do this anymore, you know. And I just fell to the floor and I started screaming. And I, I, I actually did. I'm not exaggerating. I started going, God, I can't do this anymore. And just like throwing a complete temper tantrum because I'm like, I'm going to be doing these chores for the rest of my life, and I just don't like that thought. I don't like the whole idea of existence of, like, I'm going to be serving, and it's just never going to end, and there's no reward in sight. And so I started, like, just praying and crying and just saying, God, I can't keep doing this unless you give me a fresh perspective. I've got to find some way that I can go through my day and tackle the things I have to do and do it with a better attitude and maybe even find some satisfaction out of it. And so, I mean, I prayed this, and I, I probably prayed it for a while. I don't really remember this immediate, like, sense of satisfaction where I got up and, oh, now I'm Mary Poppins and I'm doing the dishes. But I... I do know that God gave me the strength and the endurance to tackle that one chore, get to bed, get up the next day, and repeat. And so, you know, through the years, I've gotten better about remembering that I am serving, uh, when I serve my children in even the most menial tasks, I am doing it for the Lord. And that has given me a greater sense of purpose, and it's been giving me some greater satisfaction in my work. Um, the thing that I started to learn is that when I do what I'm doing well for God, whatever I'm doing, then God is glorified, and I am more satisfied, and that's so important. It gives my uh, existence, my work, uh, just some purpose, and it makes me kind of want to start doing it. God helps me to find satisfaction in the most mundane things, and I've actually found that my work can be a form of worship, um, a way of praising God and thanking him for what he's done for me. Now, um, when I, uh, after I'd had my second daughter, I, I was really just antsy to really make a paycheck. You know, I just wanted to do something tangible, something that mattered that, you know, I'm obviously staying home and raising kids matters, but I wanted to get paid for it. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to kind of feel like I was legitimate, you know, like I was an official worker and everything. And I'd gone to nursing school and, and hadn't used any of my degrees. So I got a job at the county uh, jail over in Arapaho. And I was an on-call nurse. I got called in when maybe a nurse was sick and they needed somebody for last minute, you know, fill in. So I would get a call at 4.30 in the morning on days that they needed me. And I would uh, hop out of bed and, you know, get my scrubs on and drive to the hospital, or, I'm sorry, the hospital, the, the jail. And it was about 5, 5.30 in the morning when I would be heading over there and the streets would be empty. and. It was so nice because there was that quiet. And you know, when you have busy lives and you've got kids and family and things you've got to do, sometimes it's really hard to find that time to just be still before God. And when you're in the car, there's like no other option. I would just, you know, I'd just keep the radio off and I would pray and I would find myself praising God. And by the time I reached the jail, it was about, you know, a half hour drive or so, 
I sometimes would be in such praise and I would be praying and God would just be, you know, just filling me with his spirit um, that I would, I'd be crying and praising. It would just be this worshipful experience. So here I am at 5.30 in the morning praising God, thanking him for all he's done, giving him my burdens. He was giving me strength and I would walk into this jail which was a very dark place. Nobody wanted to be there except for me. (laughs) And so I would walk in and I would be like, hi, you know, and I'm here and um, you know, we're, we're called to be a light in this world, and I felt like I was kind of a spotlight. Like, I would come in and I would just blind them all, like, hi, God is so good, you know, and I, it was just kind of crazy because everybody else was just like, why are you happy you're here? And I would treat these inmates as if they were God himself, if they were Jesus locked behind bars, and I treated them with respect, and I just... You know, I wanted to be a witness by the way that God just equipped me and and led me there. And, you know, I I hope I made a difference in some of their lives. I don't know. But I found that when I am working for Christ, and really the biggest blessing is that he uses me in whatever I do to be a living witness for him when I am doing it for him. Uh, Albert Schweitzer says it this way, example is not the main thing in influencing others. It's the only thing. You cannot live in this world without influencing the people around you. You may never say one word, right? But people see what you do. I am a mother of four girls, like I said, earlier they're ages 10, 12, 15, and almost 17. And one thing that I have learned is that kids don't listen to what you tell them to do. You can tell them all the time to be a nice person, you know, to be responsible, to whatever, but they are not going to do it unless you model it for them first. They have to see a living example. And kids learn more from your example than they do from you just telling them what to do. This puts a lot of pressure on us adults, right? When I was growing up, my dad was a pastor and he had a poster in his office and it said, children watch what you do, so watch what you do. And I loved that because my dad really took that to heart. I felt like he was trying to teach us growing up how to be, you know, um, loving and responsible people by what he did and how to love the Lord. And so he would try to model that. I would like to argue that maybe we could say that people watch what we do, so watch what we do. We're always on. We're always being seen, whatever it is. You've also probably heard the phrase, you're the only Bible that some people will ever read. And this, wow, it does put a lot of pressure on us, huh? But it also is a privilege. I wish I could always say I'm a good example. Um, You know, I know Emily's always like the perfect mom, right, Emily? (laughs) And, uh, but we all know, we've let our family down. We've all uh, been less than great role models and examples. And one thing that kind of came to my mind is that, you know, we come to church and we try to be, you know, good people and we put on our, our church faces and, you know, I'm praying for you and good to see you and stuff like that. And most of the time for me that, that is genuine. But some mornings, you know, when we're driving to church, my kids have been fighting and I don't know what to wear and it's just like, ugh, you know, trying to get there and I'm breaking up fights. I find myself yelling and saying, just shut your mouth and get in the car. We're going to church, you know? <laughs> And then the whole way there, I don't, you know, I don't want to hear one more word out of your mouth. And, and, you know, you've got the worst attitude. And I'm sorry you're hungry. You know what? I think there's some Cheerios on the floor back there. Just eat it and hold it until we're, you know, get home. You know, I don't want to hear it. And then we show up. And as we're getting out of the car, you guys, wipe that smirk off your face. Wipe that scowl off your face and put on your happy face. We're at church. (laughs) We come in. That's not, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but not always. 
But you know that we all do that. We're not always the greatest role models. Um, but luckily, my kids are pretty forgiving, and most people are. And one way that we can model, um, you know, just Christ-likeness is to ask for forgiveness and just, you know, we're not perfect, and God forgives us, and we can forgive others and ask for their forgiveness. Currently, I work as a, a labor doula right now. A labor doula is basically a childbirth assistant. So I have couples that are expecting babies, and when they go into labor, they call me. So that means that I am on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, I, I literally never get a day off. Um, I don't work that whole time, but I'm always on call. And then when they call me, I never know how long I'm going to be with them. I could be with them two hours or I could be with them 20 hours. Um, I think the longest I've been with someone consecutively was 30. So, you know, there's a lot of long hours, and I never know if they're going to get an epidural and be sleeping, or if they're going to be in hard labor the whole time, and I'm going to have to be physically supporting them, getting thrown up on, you know, just, um, there's just, it's just, it's not always a pretty job. Now, I love it. There's a lot of satisfaction in it, because, you know, it's, it's just really a privilege to be part of bringing a baby into the world. That's really a, a great job, and I love that. Um, but when I go in, I, I pray that, you know, uh, I will be a witness, and I don't come in with a Bible or anything. Pregnant women and women in labor do not want to hear anything other than, I am here to help you in whatever way <laughs> that I can. Um, so this is kind of what Christ working through me looks like right now for me in my life. Um, it's not, it's not always easy. Sometimes I've been there for 18 hours, and I started thinking, okay, I used to like this couple, and now I want to go home. And actually, this, that's a picture of me uh, yesterday morning, I think at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, I'd been there for about 10 hours, and I was, did, little did I know I was going to be there for another 12. So I'm brushing my teeth and taking a selfie in the bathroom. Hi. And I, all I was thinking about is I just want to go home. Um, I thought that this labor was going to go quicker, and it's going on and on and on, and I'm missing time, I missed my daughter's soccer game, I missed Frappuccino happy hour, I missed, uh, you know, playing tennis, and we were going to kind of celebrate Mother's Day yesterday, and so I'm at the hospital all day long, and, but, and, and the other thing is, I had this lesson going through my head, right, I'm preparing for it, and I'm like, okay, God, <laughs> here I am talking about, you know, treating others um, and serving others in a God-honoring way, and I'm thinking, can I just have the day off before my message, it's kind of ironic, but, um, but, you know, it's really cool. It's during the, these, these times that I try to visualize the person that I'm serving literally as the embodiment of Christ. And when I put my hands on somebody and give them massage and bring them ice chips and, and cold washcloths and I encourage them, I imagine I'm literally doing it for Jesus himself when he was wounded. And that's how I try to show my love for God. And it, it really brings me a lot of joy. And I know that God smiles on me for that. Um, we can look around and see lots of examples. We all know people that have just been faithful in their work and, you know, just show up day after day. Faithfulness to me is, is just such an amazing thing. It just means people are committed and that they're not doing it for others, that they are doing it for God. And there's a couple people in the church that have really um, affected me and spurred me on, really, just by their actions and just by being here to encourage me to be a better person, to have the right attitude in serving. And there was this man that was in the nursery when my daughter, um, Olivia, was a little girl. And she was pretty colicky and fussy. And I would just want to drop her off and get a break. You know, I just was tired. And, um, you know, I would go and drop her off in the church nursery. And she'd be crying. And I'd just be like, I don't care. Just take her. And I'm just going to, you know, just don't call me for three hours. You know, <laughs> the pager, I don't know where it went, you know. Um, and uh, this, uh, this man in the, in the nursery named Ludie, 
uh, was the only man in, this, uh, in the uh, newborn nursery. And he was so cool. He would, he would take her and he'd say, oh, there's my Olivia. And I loved how he called her that. And he would take her and he would just hold her and comfort her and she'd be crying. And when I would come and pick her up a couple hours later, she would be fast asleep in his arms. He never put her down the whole time. Um, and then he would hand her off to me, and she'd be like smelling of man sweat and cologne, and I just, you know, all hot and everything, and just like coming out of this like deep sleep, and so content and so happy. And what a ministry that was to me. It helped me to, uh, he, he showed God's love to me by loving my daughter. And I know it's such a simple thing, but it was such a profound thing uh, for me as a new mom to realize that God is there to love me and to serve me through others, too. Um, there's, there's endless people in our church, and uh, one, another person, I told you I'd call you out, um, has been there every week for years and years and years, and has always managed to uh, just just leave an impact on me is I walk by these Sunday school classes and these same people are there year after year and they're talking to these kids and they're talking to them about God and they're listening to them and they're interacting and they're just showing their, their love for children. I mean, God bless the children. And, you know, we're all so busy and it's like they're in there interacting with my kids and sometimes only one or two kids show up and they're always still there. And that just it says so much that they are not working for themselves. They're not really serving anyone but God, and it's important, and it makes an impact, and Lori Graham is one person that I just admire. I just, every time I see her, she's got a smile on her face. She is always interested in the affairs of others, and to me, that just exemplifies the way we are to serve God, just with joy, and it's, she just makes it seem like it's just a blessing for her, which, you know, it's, it's amazing. Taking time out of your day to love and serve others, it really is. It really does turn into a blessing. And so that's inspiring to me. There's, there's so many people that inspire me just by doing their job with a joyful heart. And you can just tell that they're doing it because they love God. What a blessing that is. Um, it says a lot about our God, doesn't it? It says so much about our God when we can do things like take out the trash and be just praising God in the process. He is such a big and mighty God, and he can give us the strength and the joy and the satisfaction in every little thing that we do. Um, Turn my page. So um, really, I think the thing that I have learned is that ultimately we will be most satisfied when we are serving others as though we are serving God. It truly brings satisfaction to us. And just like it says in Colossians, when we serve Christ, we will have an eternal reward. Our reward starts here and now. We are part of God's family. We have an inheritance. And what a joy that is to serve. Doing anything for God is much more rewarding than doing anything else in this world. You think about all the people that have, you know, riches and fame, and they're just not happy. King David, who had everything he could ever want, he was king. He made the rules. He had all the money in the world to buy anything he wanted. He said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. He said he would rather be a doorkeeper in the presence of the Lord than any other place. Now, doorkeepers are usually the people that just open the doors for you, right? And sometimes when they're at hotels or whatever, they're not really noticed. They just, they're just there to open the door, right? King David said he would rather be a doorkeeper for one day than spend a thousand days anywhere else, like even Tahiti. (laughs) It's like, wow, that says so much for our God. So my prayer for all of you this week until we come back together is that you may find joy and deep satisfaction in your work as you serve others out of your 
incredible gratitude for our great God and for what he has done for us. Remember that when we serve others as though we were serving God himself, our work takes on eternal significance. There is no job too small for God. I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, thank you for the work that you've given us to do. I just pray that we would find joy and satisfaction as we serve you in whatever it is before us. I pray that you give us the strength and endurance and even the joy to serve you in whatever it is that you've given us right now. Go with us today. Thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the mothers here, for the caretakers, um, just for this community, how much they have blessed me and encouraged me to be um, a better servant to you. I just pray all this in our precious Lord's name, Jesus. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, everyone.